And welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, and swearing. I am Nick Cameron of the aforementioned former Glacier Musical thing, which kind of exists, well, this way. Uh, as always, I am joined by Kickerguard Chakas of Ghost Cult Magazine. How are we doing today, buddy? <laughs> I was trying to think of a snappy Kierkegaard comeback, but I don't have one. I'm much more of a Jung or Emmanuel Kant guy. I personally am more of a, uh, shit, I, I don't remember now. Um, I can't even remember the name. What's that kind of like dilemma that you have? Where Schrodinger's cat. No, not Schrodinger's cat. Um, existential. God is dead. I, I am more of an existentialist. Oh, Sartre. Sartre. Yeah, Jean-Paul Sartre. Yes. Other people are hell. That's really the gift of his work, not existentialism, but like that other people. Hell is other well, people, right? Here's the thing, and I, I like to tell this story a little bit. Uh, drinking a uh, Double Dale's Oscar Double IPA again. Yes. Dale's. Because uh, we had a snowstorm. Today. Yes. So today. I, uh, last started last night. Yeah, and it's gonna go on through tomorrow. It's actually snow and ice, so I have not been able to get to the good beer store to get good beer. So I just got to I had to roll with uh, what the uh, the local bodega had. Uh, big shout out to Barnett's. They got a deli in the back that I'm scared to eat from, and milk that might be expired. But they've always how come there, so. you're scared? To, is it unsanitary? You, you just, just got to see the place. I love it. It's a cast of characters. I mean, uh, the ma the major problem with this. So I went from a city where you could get anything at every hour. Literally, I need like a full 10 course meal at 4 a.m. and you could get it freshly made in an immaculate place because New York started having like health code grades, which they never did. And then um, I live in a place where the only bodegas in town are in the ghetto, which I would not go to yeah. in I a have, good uh, I think I have four bodegas in walking distance. Oh, that's that. cool. Um, but so my existentialism came from reading a book called Crazy. Uh, after high school however it was in spanish so i may have gotten it wrong oh all right then well your spanish is pretty good my beer check is another good old belching beaver this is one i have not had a brand new beer for me here comes mango belching beaver brewery uh this is 1.3.2 ounces i'm trying to find the abv 6.6 .6 alcohol per volume I'm not a fruity guy on these things, like a fruit-loving person. 6.6, that's a good number. I've got That's uh, a good number. 6.6 is like, for me, that's become my session beer. I have like seven hours worth of shit to do after this podcast. Anyway, uh, that's probably not nine. the best idea. I'm, I'm rocking a nine. Yeah. I will say that I, speaking of Belching Beaver, they are releasing a brand new Deftones beer this week for Beauty School. And they're also, I ordered a bunch of stuff off of Craft Shack. Uh, Craft Shack? For the first Craft time Shack. ever. I keep wanting to say Craft Shack, but that's just crazy. Craft Shack. Ooh, that does not sound good. <laughs> I, also watched, I also watched the first episode of the Pam and Tommy Lee series on Hulu. There's oh an oppressive amount of shaft in that thing. Like unbelievable amounts of dogs and prosthetic boobs. Anyway. Wow, we're um, really getting, we're really just going to follow. But I'm going to take a sip of this beer. So, real quick, while Keithy's taking mm. a sip, I think we have an official announcement. Uh, I have decided to finally acquiesce to Keithy's brilliance, apparently. 
and we are going to start uploading these on YouTube. Not this week because I've got like a five day beard going on. You look pretty is- good. You don't have any beard. You're, like, you're talking to me. You look pretty good. I think we could put this on YouTube. I'm not. I'm not. I know. We're not. There's not a lot of production value. These are a little less, a little, little dialed to dude compared to like the usual bells and whistles stuff. But like, but I would put these on YouTube. No I harm. do know that some people like friend of the show, Francis Roberts likes to do his podcast on YouTube. There's so, no, there's no shame in that game. There's no reason to not expand these things agreed. and put them in other and, places. You know, we some do people. beer checks. I mean, imagine if you were looking at this golden oh, beer that I'm gorgeous. holding up right now. And I can yeah. show you my pint glasses because I've got like 50 and I'm always using a different pint glass. So I have a different douchebag trucker hat on every day yeah, and it's a, a different it's black It's a t-shirt. shocking number of trucker hats that this man I, I'm going to probably do a video of all my, it's like 40 trucker hats at this point. Okay. And even like they're sending me them. People are sending me trucker oh, wow. hats. Wow. I, I wish like, I could get people to send me shit. I know. Well, I, I and that's could, not a lot I don't of shit. Want to ask anymore, so. I don't really ask as much as I'm like, you know, if you send me your shit, I'm going to unbox it and feature it on my show. So it's like I make them think it's their idea to send me some shit. Oh, before. there you go. There's the, that's the smart part. Psychologize. When in doubt, psychologize. Um, uh, Nicholas. I, mean, I know I've had the double dales before, but this stuff is delicious. Uh, mm. I mean, like I said, just like you should not wear the band uh, you're going to see. The day of the show. Disagree with that. that that's so an old school thing. We started out with like you have to have a different beer every week, but we've had repeats and like whatever. Nobody's and nobody's. My dad is dead a long time, like thirty five years. I don't, you know, like nobody's the I boss. Got a, well, I got a double repeat because my uh, my backup is a Brulegans. Yeah, word. You like I mean, those? I got a Montucky. I got Montucky's still in the fridge. I got an orange boob still in the I fridge. I had a Montucky like, last night at the at the new place. So actually, good. Oh, we okay. Hang on, beer, beer, metal swearing, and unofficially, officially vinyl. So before we before we do a vinyl check, I have a metal thing for you. Go ahead. So um, today was the announcement of the latest nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you I may or may not actually about. wanted to talk about that. All right then, reading each other's minds. I'm just going to call up the list because uh, I didn't have it ready for my last interview. Or the or say this is not an interview, but the interview I did and I mentioned while, it and then I did. I was like, hamana, hamana, hamana. Up, let me say that this is the time of year every year where I lose friends online because I am not the old man shouting at the cloud. I believe that everybody on this list deserves deserves to be in it because the term rock and roll describes two things in this world, in my opinion. One a genre of music that came up in the 1950s, which was an outcropping of rhythm and blues, which was an outcropping of blues, which was an outcropping of jazz, or two, non-classical or art music, as in opera. It's in, It basically means American popular music, Western popular music, not depend. you know, as we know it, not, obviously loudness would count, so... Just well, just like every photocopy can be called a Xerox, even though they're not all made on Xerox machines. Rock and roll started out as one thing, became a catch-all for everything else. Secondly, I am personally not a fan of listicles, hall of fames, patting on the back, at a boys. Nobody got into this shit for that. 
it's a it, yes and no. I like debating about it. I don't care. It doesn't guide me or you know. You don't care about enrage it. You just me. Want to debate it. Okay, that's fair. I yeah yeah. That's fair. Um, there's not there. I will not, not gonna, judge this harshly, but I yeah, will judge it. Like I had to argue with a very famous music industry person who was like, Todd Rundgren not being in the Hall of Fame is a disgrace. I was like, no one knows who that guy is. And he has See, no albums that matter. Correct. What and now versus Rage Against the Machine, who invented a genre all by themselves practically. Funny you <coughs> excuse me, funny you mentioned that. Before you popped in, I was actually banging uh the second Street Super Social Club release with Tom, featuring Tom Morello. That is the band that made me appreciate Tom Morello as a guitarist. That's, that's interesting. Um, I met somebody recently who was like, I didn't know who Tom Morello was until I heard him with Bruce Springsteen. That's a good record. So Very good record. In terms of halls of fame and criteria to get in, let's just, like, first of all, we have to set the table. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that we have in America Mainly was for American artists. It does have a lot of multinational artists, many British ones, because they helped define rock and roll the way we rock music. But from the beginning, you know, they are the birth child of John Wenner, the former owner and founder of Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, even at their earliest as the preeminent rock magazine of America for whatever their run was, 20 years, they always covered other genres. They always covered jazz. They always covered Patricia Keneally. Rap. You know, I know people were like, well, you can't, you know, why is rap, or why are rappers in? Because it's all rock and roll now. Rap we comes in a direct line. Jazz, blues, rhythm and blues, soul, rap. Right. There are two forms of music that are truly American. Jazz is one. Mm-hmm. It came from Africa, but it formed the way it was fully formed in America and the Broadway musical, which you will find none of in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, unless Rob Halford or Sebastian Bach or Dee Snyder ever get I it. actually have about 40 Broadway musicals on vinyl. I love Broadway musicals. We, we should do a whole episode on them. We're, People I, will you know what? turn this shit off and never come back, but We've we should. We've got plenty of time for chasers. We can do my favorite genre of Broadway musical, Tony Award-winning oh. Broadway musicals that use the word fuck. Okay, Jesus. Um... Anywho, I mean, I like, name one. yeah, yeah. I mean, I can name a couple, but um, actually, I can name two. I can name two. Yeah, there's at least a few. Um, I think Memphis won a Tony. Oh, I was gonna say Rent. I mean, oh, Rent, of course, and uh, uh, Book of Mormon. Yeah, Book of Mormon. Anywho, uh, Spam a lot Avenue Q. They don't quite go there. Oh, Avenue so, Q, definitely. Yeah. So the nice. So the so the Rock Hall. A real quick. Every hang, year, on, hang on, I wanted to say something. And I'm gonna forget it if I don't. You're going to about to oh. talk about criteria, and I agree. Yeah, yeah. The Rock Hall's criteria is whatever they're thinking that week, depending upon whatever. <clears throat> Personally, I have two criterias for what I think. There are two ways, from, in my opinion, for a band to punch a ticket. Album sales or genre cha- or world changing. So a band like the New York Dolls, they don't have the album sales or the, notor- or the popularity to get in. But they changed the world. Same with on Rachel many levels. Machine. Same yeah. with, you know, uh, Judas Priest. That's how I yeah. would see those bands going in. But a band right. like Metallica has both. A band there's, there's like- never been anyone who I have felt was like egregiously in. I agree. It's just a question of like the, what the rock and metal fans, especially the boomers, 
they're mad at non-rock and metal people being in, but look, it's not your Hall of Fame and my Hall of Fame. This is a Hall of Fame someone else decided. And they, from the very first class, had in like Aretha Franklin and Ella Fitzgerald. So at that point, doors, it, you know. The doors were not rock and roll. Rock and roll's Bill Haley and the Comets. Jerry Lee Lewis. wrote about the doors in Jefferson Airplane yeah. and Jimi Hendrix in a, in a magazine called Jazz and Pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, interestingly enough, the Village Voice had awards every year called the Paz and Jop Awards that were like you know, jazz and pop, but like right. they covered everything. Um, every magazine I grew up on, Rip Magazine, Cream at the very end before I was older and it was gone, like Pulse Magazine from Tower Records, even all these things that influenced Keefe to become a writer and want to be a journalist at all about music. They all had awards and pats on the back and listicles at the end of the year. This is the industry patting itself on the back. People like things that are popular. They knew what they were doing when they founded this thing. It's it is not perfect. Grammys. The Grammys to me are worse because they are like Naris, and I've met some of those people in the recording okay. industry. It's not, and I think personal against them, like an assault. The Grammy Museum is wonderful. There are I think several you're going of them a little the bit too literal on this one. It's if you don't get mad at the Grammys, you shouldn't get mad at this. Yeah, I understand. But I'm just saying, like, I don't, in general, a lot of these things don't affect me until it's time to talk about them. So I don't sit around stewing, Judas Priest has been an injustice against them. Not really. Metal fans and rock fans have them already in Valhalla, in our minds. It doesn't matter about the public recognizing a brand or a band they don't care about anyway. They don't care about it until breaking the laws in a movie or a car commercial. Correct. Right? Until Rob Halford's in a Geico commercial. They don't really give a shit. And I mean, I, I don't... Judas Priest is... And I apologize. I do love <clears throat> Judas Priest. I'm okay with them not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if Iron Maiden's not in. Well, that's a whole separate thing. So let's, let's a whole just... I don't know how long we want to spend on this. Sorry, I'm moving on. I don't know how long we want to spend on this, but let's just quickly run through the nominees for 2022. And uh, you just give me, to me, it's like a sports hall of fame. I will say this. If you're going to have a hall of fame, it's an automatic in or not at all. Right. Agreed. You're like, no question. Agreed. Oh yeah. Lock solid. 100%. No debating. If we have to debate it, it's not a debate. Agreed. So I just want, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to just give the list that you're going to say in or out. Okay. Not this year, not against who's the competition, no, just as no, this person I, I deserves. I don't have it that way. To me, it's in or out. I don't. All right. Yeah, I mean, like so. Yeah. So here's the full list of nominees. It's 17, so I'll go quickly. So I'm just Rage saying who I think deserves it. Okay. Not Rage Against not the I'm Machine. In. Judas Priest. In. New York Dolls. In. Pat Benatar. Oh, in. Criminally underrated. Never talked about. Agreed. Got a couple of records. MC5. Definitely in. How are they not in already? But anyway. Good question. Eminem. That's the first one of those where we can ask that question. Yeah. Two people in their first year of eligibility. Eminem. Well, I guess my pause means out. I guess. I, to me, Eminem is a lock. See, now, Beck. Now, in fairness, in fairness, in fairness, I'm coming from a place of ignorance. That era of hip-hop, I was out. Like from the chronic forward, I was pretty yeah, much out. I would say like 2000 and on, I'm really kind of removed from some of this stuff. But okay, Eminem is the last 25 years. Beck, 
In. Okay. Barely. Kate Bush. No. Out. Okay. Devo. In. I agree. In. Duran Duran. In. Eurythmics. Oh, in. Again, another one of these, the the industry loves this guy, and I don't know why he's not in already, but Fela Kuti, the African singer. Not familiar. Pass. Probably should be in, but like also if he hasn't already got in like automatically by now. Dolly Parton. In. She is a national treasure. I think she will get in. Like to, And to clarify, <laughs> country music comes from jazz to blues to bluegrass. Oak, bluegrass. Right. I'm fug. CBGB's on fug, right? Like Dolly's a treasure. I don't necessarily think of her as a rock artist ever. She's got a lot of pop hits though that are country songs. And her Close new song's enough. a banger. She's got a brand new song called uh like Denim Jeans or something. She brought My Denim us Blue the Jeans. COVID vaccine. She gives books to children. She is like the Betty White, just a little younger. Um way hotter. Um, Lionel Richie somehow in, not in oh, is a solo in. artist, but he should uh, be. I, I would say he should have been in for the Commodores, but that's. I mean, yeah, and again, here's another one: head scratcher, Carly Simon, not oh. in the Hall of Fame yet, nominated this year. Okay, uh, personal taste, mine is I hate her. Wow, so much. I'm, and it's my fault. I, I don't blame her. I blame myself. But okay, her song, I hear the Earth move. That is the ultimate earworm. Is that Carly, or are you thinking of somebody? That's is that not? Um, I hear the earth. I earth, think that's Carol King. Oh shit! I've been hating on Carly Simon for decades for no reason. Okay. By the way, yeah, yeah still. I'm yeah. gonna look it up. Wait, because I. It's I think Carol you're King right. I think it is Carol from King. the album Tapestry. Not yes, it is Carly Tapestry. Simon. Yes. Carly I'm Simon sorry. is like. Nobody does it better. Actually, have we have like six or seven copies of Tapestry on vinyl here. You've said this, so you don't know that that's Carly. You don't we know that it's Carly. King. We bought it. All right. Uh, Carly, I mean, I used to just go, she should be in the Hall of Fame just for the strength of her record album covers of generally like 20 covers of her body and face. Sorry how that sounds, but I'm just going to say I used to go and flip through the Carly Simon records to just look at her. And there is a time in men's lives and presumably women's lives. I was a teenager. I can't speak to that because I've never been a woman. But there, uh, there is a time in a man's life where there is no logical thought. It's unfortunate, but yes, depending um, on how long that lasts, is you know maturity levels. But here and two last ones: uh, a tribe called Quest, definitely, and Dion Warwick, also somehow not in already. Yeah, D I don't like Dion Warwick, but again, it comes to me: did you change the world, or did you hit five hundred home runs? Dion Warwick hit five hundred home runs. Well, everybody in the Baseball Hall of Fame that has 500 home runs that wasn't on steroids is in. The Sarah guy should be in, too. The pitcher's one. They should be in because, yeah, fuck that. Um, I, was I would say this. Lionel Mark McGuire's 60-second home run. Yeah, here's the thing. Okay. What? I was at the stadium when Big That's Mike crazy. hit 62. That's crazy. Um, Dolly Parton, Carly Simon, Dion Warwick, Lionel Richie not only have written – tons of hit songs in the popular consciousness but they used to write hits for others you don't yeah. even know it was them and arguably dolly no, also no. has the dolly has the longest running number one single i think in history for i will always love you yeah. which whitney houston made famous i mean that's crazy think about that in, in anyway 
No, Anywho, I, I just wanted to run these by. I don't think most of these are not arguable. They should mostly all be in. Some of them should have been in already. Don't understand who's. That's where you get into like priests can't go in before Maiden. I don't think that many. We've said this before. Not that many heavy metal bands in my lifetime are probably going to get voted in. Bands well, that I you mean, could call strictly metal, probably very few. I love metal, obviously. I mean, I think everybody knows. You know, I like the the poppiest pop metals from Quiet Riot to the most completely commercial nothing burger, commercial suicides like Napalm Death and ridiculous avant-garde craziness of bands like Circle of Salt and Bosque. But there are very few mm. metal bands, like true metal bands, that I could go, you know, you really belong. Because revolutions in metal, I'm sorry to say, aren't that frequent. So if you don't have somebody like Metallica or Iron Maiden or Judas Priest who changes the world, or Black Sabbath, obviously, of course, Black Sabbath, it's a much harder for them to get in. There's metal, not even that many hard rock bands yet. Yeah, well, and metal is still shockingly underground. I, I would have thought by now it wouldn't be as underground as it is. But when I go to shows and I see this band, it's like, oh, my God, these guys are amazing. And I go home and look up Immolation, and I'm like, holy shit, 35 years, huh? And where have I been? I have a really great Immolation interview coming up soon with Robert cool. Um, It is very cool. So anyway, thanks, lost listeners, for indulging us on this bullshit. And, um, <laughs> and we'll curse less. I don't know. We'll have to try to curse less for YouTube, but the swearing is part of our mantra. Um, vinyl check time. I got, a, I got a reasonable vinyl check. I'm not sure how many. Uh, let's see. I know I got uh, on the uh, my vinyl metal group, which metal on vinyl, I believe is what it's called on Facebook. Uh, I have had a long running joke with one of the admins because I had a copy of Twisted Sisters Stay Hungry in my hands. And so we've been going back and forth of, of him telling me to buy it because I didn't buy it. I was $7. I didn't buy it. I sh- I, I did. Things were tighter back then. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So I and nobody's judging. Nobody's I judging. didn't buy it. I don't and have it. I don't have it. Great record. I, grew I up did buy Come Out and Play. <laughs> okay. I, I found it in the wild for like 10 bucks in a different time. So I finally bought it this week. I came across it, came across a very nice clean copy of it. And I picked up uh, also Blind Willie McTell mm. recordings on third on uh, Third Man Recordings Volume Blind Willie McTell Complete Recordings Volume One on Third <clears throat> Man Records. Love Third uh, Man. And I got that one for sixteen bucks. And I don't believe I have anything on mail order. But I mean, okay, I got the two this week. That is a pretty good vinyl check in. After my massive check in last week, I have one vinyl this week. I have yet to even open it. It's so new. It came yesterday. See, that's another thing on YouTube is we could actually show the records. There, there is visual stuff here. Oh man, the I, one I, I'm sorry. I should have done this a long time ago. 180 gram pressing, brand new, Purple Rain vinyl. Um, I love Prince. The world will never be the same. We'll never see another like him. While we're so- on the vinyl topic, there was something. I think you saw this on Twitter. Have you noticed that there are bands that if you buy their records secondhand, they're always beaten up? I mean, I get a lot of vinyls that are beat to shit, and I don't know why. And they're not any cheaper. 
like my Led Zeppelin records. I have two and three. I believe just two and three on the latest 180 gram pressings. They sound great, by the way. Mm. But I've got uh, four physical uh, houses in through the outdoor coda and the other one presence uh, all on on og vinyl I arguably think. the best era of zeppelin the late era um physical but on we'll, we'll fight that another day but my a lot of the zeppelin ones that i come across have just been beaten up but pink floyd the doors they're fine what's the etiquette like so i mean like i go into a record store and my assumption is they've looked at these they're not beat up I never open them and take them out in the store. Okay. Does it Wrong feel choices. like that's four choices? Okay, I just buy them. No, I no. trust the places I buy them from, baby. I, I will not say what record store it was, but they made it right. But I walked in and I came across a copy of Kiss Alive, a 1993 white vinyl pressing. Picked it up, it was great. Pulled out one, it was the right thing. I picked out and then I, I bought it, walked out this walked out the door. And unfortunately, it was a uh, it was disc two of a live two on the other one. Mm. So because I had just walked out the door, totally refunded my money. And he actually offered he's like, Would you take it? Would you buy it for 10? That and I here's where I made a poor choice. I said no. Because people will sell one record out of a two record set, like nobody's business all the time. So I should have done that because that is an extremely valuable pressing. But no, always take a look. Always in my copy of DRI, I asked the guy if if, uh, if we could if we could listen to it before it because it was a forty dollar record, and I mean forty dollars in the grand scheme of things is not the largest sum of money in the world. But I want I want to hear. I want to know. So no, yeah, do not I'm... hesitate to do that. I have maybe made some poor choices that I not I've got a lot of regrets. Anything that I bought like in the cheap bin, I expect to be shit. Well, yeah, and surprise. I actually have a, a copy of Def Leppard Pyromania. It might even be a first press that we bought in the dollar bin. Mm. Shined it up, totally fine. That's awesome, dude. I love that record. Um, so yeah, but then I bought some stuff that should be new. Or like new yeah, for not even, cheap money. See, the thing about the new ones is they will oftentimes have dust in the grooves when they're new from being in the plant. So you still got to clean them. Mm. I Just uh, pointing out the cleaning, uh, I did not clean the records I bought this week. And I may have broken a needle. So I've got spares. I've always got spares. I don't have spares, and I also am not in a good rhythm. I need to get in a good rhythm of getting my vinyls, putting them in discogs, clean them, open them, clean them, play them. And I, I have usually been... put them in discogs after I've cleaned them. Okay, Clean that's awesome. discogs table. All right. But I, gotta... I couldn't wait to listen to Twisted Sister, and it was dusty as balls. Damn it. And I mean, and, and in fairness, I mean, it wasn't like it was a brand new needle or anything, but you can harm your needle if you don't do it right. I have been fighting my turntable since Monday because it won't play out of one channel. You don't have a son, but cleaning your needle is good advice for every boy. Not touching that. Okay. 
Uh, anything else we need? They are. That's why you have to clean your needle. Okay. And they're touching it to every surface in the house, the fridge, the doorknob, the coffee table, I don't in between the pillows. I don't know what kind of life you led, but oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I was a latchkey kid. So was I. On uh, a train but... to Hornville. <laughs> it's the last train to Hornville. Anyway. I actually blew my daughter's mind when she found out the monkeys were a band. Sort of. I got like four or five monkeys records too. So um, I love the monkeys. No shame. No shame in my game. My BFF Omar Cordy loves the monkeys. It's very sad. The Mike Nesbitt All died. right. What is the what is the point? This is the Chaser episode. Uh, we're gonna do a Chaser between every series, just to kind of give everybody a, a calm down and to get to know us better. Which, based on Keepy's actions, poor choices on my part. They may regret it. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Nick? chose the chaser episode not that i have any regrets about it but uh we are we were supposed to go this weekend Tuesday. to go see nick mason's saucer full of secrets band in concert in st louis and nick postponed the tour and life gets not in the me. way nick mason postponed the tour that's nick <laughs> nick <laughs> mason postponed the tour and life gets in the way, and I am not going to travel right now in this environment. So I had two trips kind of back-to-back, St. Louis and Los Angeles. I'm not making it either. We'll wait for Nick Mason to reschedule. We'll go. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And <clears throat> we were originally going to do reunion records today, and then Keefe felt like perhaps if we had uh, given each other a list, might have been better. Didn't even occur to me. Um, I think that's inherently a really fun idea because I know your list does not match mine. So if I give you my list of those, make you listen to them and come prepared to discuss them, like yes or no, like or not, dislike, and you give me your list, which I may or may not agree with, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I also got to remember that things like, you know, Brave New World are reunion records, but that's besides that. Like I said, I said, we'll throw a shroud over it and say reunion slash comeback, right? Because like Iron Maiden never stopped being a band. They just didn't have Bruce. Right, it was a Black Sabbath record. didn't really stop being a band officially. They just didn't make records. Okay, for okay. Time. We're, we're, we're getting off topic. I'm just saying. That's my I agree. criteria. We're, we're getting off topic. Right. Anywho. So, so I thought it would be fun to pretend like we went to the show and listen to this record. And right. I listened to it today, actually twice. Listened to it, first record I listened to and last record I listened to ish today. I also Offic- officially to- we're talking about Nick Mason's Saucer oh, yeah. Full of Secrets live at the Roundhouse. He actually talked about the Roundhouse in his book. I am currently reading Nick Mason's book as well, as mm. my wife found it at Goodwill. And well, I have probably about four hundred books to read from Goodwill, and she just keeps buying them. But this was a really good choice. So I also have that book, and also it's on the list to finish. It is a dense fucking book. It is hard to read. Do you have the hardcover or the soft no, cover? I got soft cover. It, not. It's- I mean. It's- it's, it's a just, thick little bastard, 350 inches. He's he's just English and an architect, so mm. you know he's not putting. It, this is not written like Peter Chris's book. It, it, it's a much much denser. Could have been written in crayon. Yeah, this green is green denser. and black crayon. Anyway, but he spoke about the roundhouse. I wouldn't say lovingly, but he referred to it as a playground for people that have too much money. 
to be able to put a music club into an old train station roundhouse. Mm. Which, for those of you who aren't train nerds like myself, uh, back in the day, they had roundhouses where you could turn engines around. That was the only way you could turn an engine around. Still to this day, it's the only way you can do it. That's why trains go backwards and forwards. That's why they can go as fast backwards as they can forwards. You're Amazing. Welcome. Amazing. There is a train museum in Sacramento, a national train museum. Well, maybe we'll go. We got a big boy. Sorry. All right. Train nerding over time. Train nerding time over. Uh, I also listened today to Roger Waters' The Pros and Cons of New York, a four mm. LP set, which was a radio broadcast in 84. I listened to Roger Waters' Radio Chaos. And I also listened to When the Wind Blows, which Roger Waters and the, and the Bleeding Hearts Band take up side two. Because I was on a theme today. Apparently. And we did on the DMA, we did Barrett last week. So let's just keep the big boy. That's, yeah, that's thematically this match is sort of the follow up to the DMA episode that I participated in. And thank you, Duncan Evans, for having me. I love talking to you. I love spending time with you. And it's fun to get three people who all love Pink Floyd to listen to something that maybe we haven't listened to lately or very much. So that's what that was about. I've actually got more Pink Floyd episode ideas, but I'll talk about those later. Crazy. Um, before we delve into this record, which I have really only listened to one other time before today, let, let's talk about Nick's motivations for this band and project, right? Why does this thing exist at all? For the record, also, I have it on vinyl. I know you did. Sorry. Go follow Nick on Instagram for his lovely vinyls. That is my superpower. It is uh, at glacially underscore musical. There you go. So Nick Mason and his motivations for this project. Pink Floyd is done, retired, over, never coming back. Well, they retired right after Division Bell. Basically. Well, I think there they was always maybe. They didn't announce I think, it officially. I think Live 8 falsely gave people the impression that an imminent reunion with Roger could happen. Yeah, but it's still Roger that, and David. If you watch that video and you see Roger trying to hug Dave, that's all it tells you all you need he to hear. He stiffened up his body. And has no interest in even human contact with this guy. Correct. And that they was do not after, like each other. That was after the, the On an Island tour with the documentary where they ran into each other. And it was the most awkward 48 seconds I've ever seen. Yeah, if there's a paycheck involved where David is in another part of the stadium and a spotlight comes on him while Roger's in another part of the stadium and David is getting like a nice check to show up and do a solo, he's there. You know, maybe no other interest. The wall, but instead of the wall being across the stage, it's in between the two guys. It bisects the stage. <laughs> uh, but in fairness, uh, Dave did show up to a Roger show and played comfortably numb with him. Several, yeah, several. Which is weird to me, but whatever. You know, good for them, good for him. But yeah, so so Nick Pink Floyd has done it over. Uh, Roger does Roger solo tours where he plays a lot of Floyd or all Floyd. David is not interested in doing Floyd ever again, really, but he will play some Floyd material on his tours. Yeah, if you look at the uh, the Live at Gilmore LP, which uh, Live at Gilmore, Live at Pompeii LP, which I have, it is Live about, at Gilmore, basically though. It is. It's about half Floyd and it's about half solo stuff. Which really, I mean, for somebody who has sixty eight albums with Pink Floyd and four albums solo, and people don't like most of those solo records, that's pretty good. 
Right. And so, you know, Nick, I think he's actually the oldest member of Pink Floyd alive. And because uh, I don't know, it, they, they, but they all went to school together, so it can't be that much. I think he was a little older than them to begin with. So this project started four or five years ago. Basically to go out and play live and do the deep cuts, the, the Sid Barrett and just in between the Sid Barrett and the classic Pink Floyd 70s era. That period of music is very fertile oh, and yeah, it is not cuts. a lot of deep cuts and not a lot of stuff that even the Pink Floyd reunion ever played, which is a treat if you're a Pink Floyd fan. If you're not a fan, I still think this has a lot of value for you to discover. When you say the reunion, do you mean the, the momentary? I consider the Pink Floyd Mach 3, 4, whatever it is, as the Pink Floyd reunion without Roger. The band okay. stopped existing. Roger said, I quit. These yeah. guys said they didn't. Roger loses in court. Momentary lapse of reason to Division Bell and, and after when that tour is ended. Yeah, that's still that, Pink Floyd. For me, that's Pink Floyd Mark II. Actually, no, no, I would say four. Mark four. Because Mark one is obviously Barrett. And then Mark two is up to metal. And then Mark three is Roger Waters. The next That's one. one way of looking at it. Okay. Uh, he, well, those were his records because they were all like, they'll say the same thing. They're like, well, you know, Roger had things. And, and David Gilmore said in an interview, Roger was very frustrated because we weren't doing anything. We weren't getting anything done, and it was way worse for him. And in fairness, we didn't have anything anyway, so we let him. Do I it. think there's a whole Pink Floyd side that did that stopped being mostly because Roger and Roger wanted to be a more a you know, more traditional song based prog band because he saw other bands doing it. He saw Yes break out and succeed. He saw Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. He saw Genesis first records. And he was like, why aren't we doing this? People don't want, you know, Saucer Full of Secrets and Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun. They want songs. They want, you know, beginning, middle, and end songs. Nick Mason is calling right now to talk to Nick. Here we go. Sorry, my daughter called because of the snow days. She's doing virtual schooling with my, at my at her grandmother's house, which gives right. my wife and I a nice little break. But you know, yeah, Roger saw the progressive bands in this, and he he was willing to take the reins, and they were willing they were willing to go with him. And however you want to look at it, it's to me that is the it's it's the Barrett led the 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 ambiguous Floyd, which is up to metal, the Roger Waters Floyd, and then the I Green do Floyd. like the ambiguous Floyd. That is well, so cool. it would be great yeah. on a shirt. They didn't know what they were. That would be a great name for an album, the ambiguous Pink Floyd. True. And or then a book. and then it became the David Gilmore Floyd. That's fair. I'm not gonna say that's not untrue. Um so this is this is a combination of the Floyd Mach oh, one and two. I'm sorry, I actually had something to say that I forgot because my, my kid just called me. Uh, Roger, in, after David Gilmore joined the band, that's where I'm at in Nick Mason's book. Read this today. And they were talking to somebody, some reporter or something, and he looks over and right after he sees David and he goes, that guy is going to end up lead, taking control of this band one day. And Nick's little aside was, apparently he didn't see the tall bass player in the back. So, go ahead. 
I mean, that's very accurate. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting how, th how things play out. But, uh, you know, I would say astronomy domine or domine if you're American. I would say domine. Astronomy Interstellar domine. overdrive, set the controls. Wait, wait. Are we, oh, okay. Are we, are we I'm just, I'm just okay. mentioning that these are the only songs that continue to get played long into the future after cities out of the band. Like they played it on Pulse and that was the first time it had been in like 20 years. But they still played it into the early 70s. It was yeah, actually yeah, a yeah, fixture yeah. in their set after. So actually, it was like the song, their hit song before Dark Side of the Moon is that song. Um, and so I'm just mentioning that like a lot of them, you know, there's something like 22 songs on this two disc live album and i'm sure it's on four vinyls or something with the song no, just lengths. two just two really with all those song lengths yeah it's interesting um, to me that there are a few there are a few tracks that roger waters played always and still plays on his solo shows he's fond of some of that stuff he really is like i said roger always had dreams of being dylan and i think the you know, if you're the person with the least to express in a progress, I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying he wanted to be a folky because mm -hmm. he felt poetic in his way and he is poetic in his way. And he wanted to make more traditional sounding stuff and he elevated himself to play with these other upper echelon players. But I'm sure that the Mark II Floyd, the ambiguous Floyd, is not Roger's favorite era because he's the least person with something to express in that, that realm. But the songs that he wrote, there are a few songs that he wrote in that era that he really looks back on fondly. Of course. Of course. And that's also when he started lyrically David, and musically. Yeah. That's also when he started telling David Gilmore, I need you to, I need you to put some more stuff. Into, I need you to put pen to paper here a little bit. That's yeah. how we got fat old son. And that's a great song. That old son is great. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great things. Nile songs on here. There's a lot of great things. Can I can I say, can I just say, let me, give me a minute. I'm sorry, I'm just using, I'm trying not to say real quick every time and I, I got nothing. So um, before I got this record, this was my absolute least favorite era of Pink Floyd. As I said on the DMA last week, my Pink Floyd super fandom has only existed for five to six years. Before that, I, I liked Pink Floyd, but I didn't, love them like I love a handful of other bands. You know, I now have, I'm only missing one Pink Floyd album on vinyl. Um, now, in fairness, my copies of Saucer and Piper are in a, the, a nice pair set. I have both of Sid Barrett's records, which were also in a two-disc set. I have all of Roger Waters' solo work, bootlegs, live albums. I've got uh, the two Nick albums that were released on vinyl by themselves. The only thing I'm missing in terms of solo work by any of these, just solo work is just uh, Z, which my God is, I only, I could only get through about 38 seconds before I went, no. And uh, rattle that lock, which who I've held that in my hands multiple of t multitude of times and went, I don't know, man, I don't know if I want to hear this again. Uh, so yeah, and I, I mean, I have most of everything that the, any that these men have ever done. The only thing by Roger I don't have is him narrating a short story 
which I have considered too many times. You know, I've got his uh, From the Body soundtrack. I bought When the Wind Blows because he was on side two. I mean, in this era, like Amagama, I only acquired that about a year ago on vinyl and only because I found it in the wild for a third time. And I went, okay, fine. And I bought it much better than I remembered. And until I heard this one, I and it, it took me about a month to really put the money down to, to actually order it. Because I'm like, I don't really know that I want this. And hearing it made me love these songs a lot more. That was not quick, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's make, that tracks for me also. Um, you know, I would say objectively, I am a much more a much huger fan of the other eras of Floyd than the Floyd Mark One, Mach One, Mark One. One of the things about Pink Floyd is there are different eras and there are epochs, or there are different epochs, and then there are eras in those epochs. And if you listen to Piper and you listen to The Wall and you listen to Momentary Lapse of Reason, these are not the same bands. Yeah, no, it's not even close. They got some DNA shared, but really no. Uh, I will also say that this record does have some of my favorite songs ever by the band. Um, so it is, and it, and it's really, like, I think why I enjoy most is the real gems, the real unexpected tracks. What I really love about this is the, the energy in this album. These guys are happy to be doing it. They're thrilled. And I think, honestly, Nick is probably happy to not have David or Roger around. Um, I there, I want to say it was The Wall Roger's last release of The Wall which is not the first release or the second release but his third release of The Wall there was a at the end there was him talking to Nick like them having a conversation and you could tell and everything that Roger would say Nick would be like I don't remember it being that way and I, I don't get the impression. I don't, I don't get the impression that any of those guys could really stand to be around Ro, around Roger for any more than they had to. He is a probably disagreeable person. This is what I've said all along. But um, I, 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 I don't want to meet him. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, you know, here's a, just an interesting factoid: Lee Harris, who is one of the guitarists on this band and this album, is quasi endorsed by Gilmore. They met at a David Gilmore solo show, which apparently the focus of was a lot of Floyd material. And Lee knew Guy Pratt and Guy Pratt introduced him to David and David was like, oh, I've heard some of your music and it sounds a lot like Floyd. And I really appreciate that you show your influences on that, you know? And so like almost in a way endorsed by Gilmore, endorsed by his hero, um that's and that's gotta feel great yeah there's a killer band here that nick Tommy has put Thayer together did not get that from ace he will not get no uh guy pratt is on this record guy has been the de facto roger stand-in since the end of roger and floyd yeah i have uh two albums with i have two no, i'm sorry three live albums with pratt on them maybe four. he's marvelous is he on momentary or not momentary is he on uh uh delicate is he on delicate sound of thunder before his time. Okay, yeah, because I have Pulse, and he's, yeah, he's on, on Pulse. Live at Pompeii, and uh-huh. now this one. Yeah. Um, Guy Pratt's great. 
and there's a very good Roger. Vocally. Okay. Gary Kemp is also here on guitar and vocals, and I presumably the lead vocals. So a lot, I mean, like he's not David. Um, he's being asked to cover a lot of David's parts and Richard's parts vocally. I thought Guy um, sang the whole thing, no? No. Oh. I don't think so. I don't think the whole thing. Um, I don't know if your version has the actual breakdown of who did what, but I don't have that here. It doesn't. I just it doesn't sound it. like Guy Pratt. Um, okay. We can we can suss that out another time, and it then doesn't uh, really matter. Yeah, Nick is on drums and percussion, and Dom Beckin, who I'm really not familiar with, is on keyboards, programming, and backing vocals. I guess in the role of Richard. Um. So yeah, do you feel like a need to run through the track listing, or do you want to just pick out our favorites? I I just wanted to run through the track listing. We don't even have to say much about them. Sure. Um, uh, I wanted to throw out. Actually, no, I take that back. I'm gonna throw out a couple of tracks here, just because I when we we were talking about the deep cuts to begin this, and this record has the deepest of the deep cuts. And I actually wrote down where everything came from. I'm just gonna throw out the rare ones, the really rare ones. Uh, Arnold Lane, never released on an album. It was released on Relics, of course. They did multiple songs from Obscured by Clouds and more, which is awesome. I am throwing the horns. Super happy uh, about those. They did See Emily Play, which also not well, not on an album. And the last track they did was Point Me at the Sky, which again, not only was it not released on an album until Greatest Hits you know, 40 years after the fact. Damn, almost 50 years after the fact. But it wasn't even ever released in stereo. So they the set list here, We, I'll, I'll just run through the track list and then we can talk about our favorites afterwards. Um, Interstellar Overdrive, Astronomy Domini, Lucifer Sam, Fearless, Obscured by Clouds, When You're In, Remember a Day, Arnold Lane, Vegetable Man. Oh, I forgot that one. Never even released by pink floyd but he played it unfortunately have you got it yet did not make this one i know a missed opportunity i guess at this point nick mason still hasn't gotten it yet uh ha ha dad jokes uh if the nile song which my god if you don't love the nile song what do you even love uh you skipped over adam hart mother no, I didn't. Okay. Yes, I did. <laughs> Not your favorite. That's probably why I got a mental block. Uh, Green, uh, Adam Hart Mother is actually my favorite Pink Floyd record that I own, physically really? speaking. No. Not the music that comes out of it. The album itself. Yes, I have a Japanese super vinyl pressing of it. Oh, super. Which, uh, those, the pricing on a Japanese super vinyl starts at $100. And the uh, the wish you were here super vinyl is like five. No so, shit. And it was like, well, you know what? I don't have one of these, and I don't have that one. Uh, it was when I was between jobs. I had sold a bunch of shit on eBay just to kill time, and I had a bunch of money in the eBay account. And I'm like, hey, wife, is it okay? She's like, I don't care. Look, my wife's the boss. I'm fine with that. 
green is the color. Let there be more light. Childhood's end. Set the controls for the heart of the sun. See Emily play. Bike. One of these days, a saucer full of secrets and point me at the sky. So, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Nothing from Dark Side. Nothing from Wish You Were Here. Nothing from that four album run. Where well, Fearless is on here, so Metal gets represented. No, metal is, is... Oh, you're uh, counting the wall. Sorry. Right. Oh. <laughs> no, that wasn't a dig. No, I just no, saying. that was a dig. No, it wasn't. I have four copies of the wall. And they're, they're I know. You never stop mentioning it, do you? I won't ever. Uh, I, okay. Um, nothing from the 70s classic era that most people would associate the band with. FM Radio Pink Floyd. Right. If you're an FM Radio Pink Floyd fan, you're going to look at this and go, what are these songs? And why, why is there are a you in color? Well, British. Um, Superfluous use. Maybe. They probably opened entire gangs of shows with those first three right interstellar astronomy and lucifer sam pinnacle early floyd pinnacle barrett compositions very much barrett compositions astronomy dominie interstellar overdrive those were just based off of sid's riffs and the rest of them and during that time in one of the things that nick mason sorry i'm going back to the book because i read it today okay. <laughs> and what he talked about repeatedly was they couldn't play. None of them knew how to play. And they didn't become good players until Dark Side of the Moon, really. Right. Metal, I guess. Metal. I mean, yeah, they were they were they were coming up on metal, but Dark Side of the Moon is when they, you know, they, they pulled the they pulled the lever. Well, the as we discussed the night prior appearance on DMA, the obscured by cloud soundtrack is the template for metal at Dark Side. Oh, and even wish we hear a little. And yes. so the fact that it's represented here so thickly, you know, I'm super stoked. I'm so pleased. I love Fearless anyway, with the great key tuning. One thing I don't like about it as an Arsenal fan, hearing the Liverpool FC tunes. Although in fairness, I'm I'm not as big into soccer as I once was. So I'm so not at all into soccer. Um, I won't. Is that you. you'll never walk alone? Yes, is that's, the song? that's the Liverpool. Um, like that's what the fans sing all the time. So when you're in, remember a day, which is a Rick solo composition, lovely. Arnold Lane, Vegetable Man, make you know all make a, like a nice little pairing. And then Nile Song, man, Nile Song. I gotta give it to Roger. Is Nile Song is an underrated beast. Ro um, Roger. Roger is the author of the Nile Song, even though you and I associate it with Gilmore because of the solo. Oh, I didn't know that. Roger's the writer of the song, which is a surprise. Um, great, to, you all, great tune. And yeah. that is like the one time we get like dirty Gilmore vocals. Wish you would have done it more. Wish you would have done it more. Or again. Um, back to back, arguably two of my top eight or seven favorite Pink Floyd songs are Childhood's End and Set the Controls. Back to back, belly to belly, 15 and a half, 16 minutes of bliss if I was there in person to hear this. I, I do not remember what Childhood's End is. And Childhood's it, End is the first version of Time. We discussed okay. it on the DMA. It's and literally I, the first on, attempt at writing Time down to oh, the road and the same style, like the same Seven Seasons of Man lyrics from Shakespeare. The same I, thing. 
am famously bad for not knowing song titles. That's fine. I'm famously bad for a lot of things. Like I just a disaster. Um, no worries, brother. Childhood's End is brilliant. It's a Gilmore. It's probably why you have a block against it. I have a um, block on Gilmore stuff. I don't hate Gilmore. I just like, don't like him as much as Roger. How good is it to hear one of these days, by the way? Uh, we skipped one. I skipped the round. I skipped Look, Emily and Bike. I, 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 I know they're go, there. I, I want to go back to Set the Controls. Sure. Okay. Set the Controls is, I think, Roger's first significant contribution to Pink Floyd. Sure. Uh, take up thy stethoscope and walk. If anybody in this world can remember that one, you're not me. I don't. I yeah, don't there's another early one it. that Roger wrote, which is like the Power R Talk, whatever that is. I don't know what that. Did he means. write Corporal Clegg or am I just? You wrote Corporal it? Clegg also, which is you like know what a precursor. I don't need. I don't need Corporal Clegg. Corporal Clegg is like he called it. It was like I was trying to write the final cut 20 years earlier. I was like, <sighs> well, maybe you should have waited until you were good, and then you did final cut, which is great, but not the point. Set the controls, though. He has this amazing fondness for this song. Mm. He plays it in concert. He came out and played this song. He sang it with the band, with Mick Mason. I believe in New York. Don't quote me on that. Mm. And, of course, Roger being Roger spent like five minutes talking about talking before singing. Shut the fuck up, Roger. Sing the song. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. That's your show, first of all. You're the guest. Be fucking quiet. Right. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. You talking is not getting nice. to the chorus. But he we should start. That should be our. Uh, we should put that on a shirt for this. Make shirts for this podcast. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. But uh, he. But the one thing he did say in his like ten minute diatribe of nothing, except I'm Roger Waters. Look at me. I'm in Pink Floyd. Except they hate me now. He doesn't sound like that at all. I know, I know. But Roger I, actually I, sounds, he sounds a lot, he sounds a lot like a British Kissinger. Anyway, everyone <laughs> hates us now. So um, what he said was, what do you say? He's like, you guys sound better than we did when we played it. And going back to the 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 return to my earlier point, when they were playing the at this time, they really couldn't play. So now you have this group of people. They can play really well going back to these songs, changing up the changing them up a little bit, not a whole whole lot. Bike was changed up pretty significantly, which I didn't like because that's my bike is one of my absolute favorite Pink Floyd tunes. Sure. It's a and classic Stid. You shouldn't alter it. Which they did. They 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 made it like Don't put raisins in your potato salad, people. And don't mess with bike. Or just don't make potato salad because fuck mayonnaise. But that that's my hot take in the Midwest. In the Midwest, I mean, if you hate mayonnaise, you're basically a Nazi. Okay. So I'm still trying to understand California. What is it we do with ranch dressing? It's boring no, and that, garbage. That's everywhere. And I love ranch dressing out here. We never there's not a thing in New York at all. It is in the Midwest, but anyway. I guess. So Roger loves this song, and I really don't like this song. Mm. And especially live, it goes like 18 minutes, it seems like. It, it, it just goes so long. It's like, I look, I watched Star Trek 2. Okay, I get it. I didn't write a shitty song about it, though. And now everybody's playing it. <sighs> Sorry. Continue. Um. So one of these days, magnificent to hear a great long version of it. 
beautifully was, performed. Yes, and that was actually also on Roger's last album, his last live. It's album. a hard song to play. I played it in concert on bass with the bass effect and the blah 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 blah. blah. Um, there's two ways to do that song officially. It was recorded with two separate bass lines, one plain and dry, and one with the blah 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 blah, blah tremolo. Oh, so that's why that's why Roger's got that second bass player on stage now, and that's why he just officially does the, whoa, 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 whoa. when it was. Yeah, and I think it's Roger and David playing a bass each. Hmm. And it's David who came up with the tremolo effect. Well, that makes um, sense. When I played in my Pink Floyd tribute band, Pegs on the Wing, I used my bass pedal and I created a custom delay patch to emulate that sound. I don't play with a pick. I play fingerstyle bass when I play at all. I haven't really played in some time, but... That's how I approached the song live, so it sounded authentic, but I could still play it my way. It's meant to be a, played with a pick. I'm going to make a point here. What's funny is in every band that I love, I glom on to the lead guitar player. Mm. And in Pink Floyd, I glommed on to the bass player. Interestingly, where, I, whereas, is it because he, he played bass or because he's the lyricist and a genius? That one. And whereas, I think, yeah, you, Keefe, that, whereas Keefe was in a Pink Floyd tribute band playing Roger Waters, but has glommed on to David Gilmore. Well, it's well, I am always, always more into Gilmore. I just, I, I find that funny. I, in the Pink Floyd band, my responsibilities were Roger vocally, Roger bass, also David sometimes vocally, and also sometimes Rick's harmonies because I was the most competent singer in that band. Not saying a lot because I'm oh, not look that at me great flexing. a singer. I'm not that great a singer. <laughs> Whitney Houston backup singing and all. Oh, are we going back there? We have to um look i would i would bring look that's way better than my four copies of the wall it's about the same um she's really <laughs> nice in person that's all i'll say go go watch war stories with keefe on ghost cult mags youtube to get the whole story of how i sang it anyhow link in the description if nick wants to um send me a link to it so that you don't have to but anyway no, I'm just, i just i just send it to me now it's, so, now it's a thing so Beside the fact that this whole live album is great, starts off powerfully strong, and all the songs are really excellent. And like I said, there's a lot. If you're not an experienced Floyd fan, this is a great way to get into that early stuff you may not know. If you are a Floyd lover, there's a lot of stuff here you are not acquainted with or just like not what you usually go to or reach for, which is really great as a listener. I've had this album for a year. Mm. I only learned what the last track was today. Okay, well, point me at this guy is brilliant. And let's just say it closes. At, uh, let's throw out the bad version of Bike, which is what we'll call it, probably the weakest moment on the two discs. It, it, it is. It, it's the weakest moment, but you know what? They still did it. Yeah, yeah. So they get, they get, they get an E for effort, not an A. Barrett's children are getting revenue from this, so good for them. Um, but to close with those three, and again, I think point me at the sky is in the top five on here. One of these days, brilliant. Saucer brilliant full version because even the band used to shorten it or mash it into other things like a medley. It, no it was shortened it was like seven minutes instead of 12 yeah this is the full version the full meal version there's not a lot of like rave up endings on here which is weird because oh, I, I read this they, they played it for nine minutes yeah nine seventeen. that's uh yeah, that's not long. just my birthday it's a lengthy song right they really closed they started strong they closed strong lovely lovely job man I'm so bummed we're not seeing this this weekend. 
But yeah, Nick did a killer. Like Nick, you know, I, you know, I don't know, you know, if we're gonna get, you know, Aerosmith just canceled their tour and they're casting doubt on whether they're ever gonna tour again at this age. And you know, Nick is seventy-eight. Holy crap! He's the oldest man. He's old, older by a, st- a step or two. He's, you and know, you maybe know we'll get one more tour out of him on this. You know what? Even if he doesn't come back and never does this again, one, I mean, I. I I'm depressed that I don't get to to share this with you because well, we'll see. If fr- frankly, as as big of a band as Pink Floyd mm. is, none of my friends like them. None of my friends here like Pink Floyd. Mm. No one. So what's wrong with them? A lot of ranch dressing, I guess, and mayonnaise. Ranch, too much ranch dressing and mayonnaise. Uh, next week, however, I will be seeing the Gilmore Experience by myself. Oh, we'll hear all about it. I'm excited to hear it. I uh, I, I will I will discuss that at length. But you know this this album really made me a fan of the previous tracks. For me, leading up to this, it was Piper and Relics, and that was really everything I needed ahead of Dark Side. And I'm glad he didn't do Echoes. But I feel like Echoes, beside being very low, I like Embryo would have been really cool. That's a track that's not on here that I love and is not on here. And Embryo is technically a part of Echoes, but it also started out life before Echoes. So that's a song that I think I would have put on here. Echoes, I think it's so popular. That's why it's like Fearless is here instead of Echoes and not your dreaded, hate, hateful uh, Seamus. Oh my that God. you hate. Why would you even bring that up? <laughs> oh. I can't even bring it up. No. The, the song that shall not be named. Gosh. It's a dog singing 12 bar blues. It's David's dog that lived on his boat. I don't care. I don't, one, I don't like dogs. Two, I don't like 12 bar blues. That's a lie. But I mean, it, that was them in the studio drunk going, you know what would be funny? Is we need one more song for this album. On the show. This album's too short. We need one more song. Yeah, so get a dog. I will say this. After having gone through, like, Barrett the other day, painfully so in some cases. <laughs> this was a really, breath of fresh air. You gotta just step back and just take off your hat and bow down to Sid Barrett. The guy is insanely talented and is a real tragedy because, like, okay, I don't know what music he would have continued to make in Pink Floyd they would have had a completely different trajectory as a band. Roger probably would have quit to go solo and The Wall would have been his first album, <laughs> badly. But- uh, I hate you. Don't hate me, love me. I, I love you. Love me, love Okay, so go, real quick, going back to the Sid, the, the Sid point. I said real quick again, God, fuck me. Uh, not you, maybe. Um, what was it, 22, 22 songs on this album? Something like that. Seven were written by Sid. I know. I mean, it's his era. It's really his era. And even like the stuff he didn't write, he's on. Like, uh, set the controls as a Sid song. That era. I'm just talking about what he wrote. So, yeah, thirty thirty-three percent of this record was written by Sid, who was yeah. only on one and a third albums. And I'm not even counting any of the Piper tunes. He might have been on some. Yeah. Not Piper. Uh, Saucer. Because there were three, three or four songs on that record he was on. Yeah. Two he sang and a couple he played guitar on. 
and I don't remember. Uh, obviously, Jug Band Blues isn't here, which I'm gonna say is a miss because I love Jug Band. That's Blues. a good track, and it probably I don't know why that was not chosen, but the tubas maybe three, yeah, three, three of my absolute favorite bar. Doesn't matter who did it or what era Floyd songs are on here, and brilliantly done. And then a bunch of other jams. And again, if you if you are a fan of Floyd and you like Sid, you definitely don't know Vegetable Man and you do not know Point Me at the Sky. You just don't know them that well. So like to hear anything new and exciting is, is amazing because like you heard Arnold Lane, even though it wasn't a, you know, like whatever a proper release, you still heard it a bunch. Arnold You've Lane heard C. Emily relics. play a bunch. I'm a gamma. Yeah, you've heard these things over time a lot. Childhood's End is not that well known. Green is the color is not that well known. These are if, I'm, if, if is not that well known a song. If I'm being honest, here's all the songs. Here are the known. Be dishonest. Songs. I prefer it. Uh, Interstellar Overdrive, Astronomy Domini, Arnold Lane. I would get, gather that most people might know, like Fearless, it's not as well known as the other four from that decade, but they know Fearless. They know metal. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet, though. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to start over now, since Keithy rudely interrupted with his very with his very salient point, which makes it worse. Bastard. Uh, starting over, Interstellar Overdrive, Astronomy Domini. Uh, I'm sorry, I skipped Fearless. I apologize. I w- it was there. Fearless. Arnold Lane. How many is that? Okay, thank you. If I'm reading, you got to count. Fine. Uh, what about if? Is that well known? You counting that? Eh, so so. Skip it. We'll skip that. We'll skip Nile. Uh, set the controls. And yeah, that that's it. How many was that? Six? Seven. Seven. So seven tracks on a 22-track live album are not just in deep. The, are the other 15 are deep cuts. And some right. of them, he actually had to dig up the music. What's well, deeper than a deep cut? They had to relearn these things. Like Nick Mason probably didn't remember how to play all these things. <sighs> there's got to be something deeper than a deep cut. Right. Uh, I, I, well, we don't have a word for it. but We'll make up one. So a third of this is known, a third are deep cuts, and a third are deeper than deep cuts. It's, a, it's an impressive ins- way to build, a, and it's a, and they did it as a live album. So this is like, that's a great way to build a set list for a fan base like Pink Floyd with diehard people who glom onto these classic records and won't let go. I, he, the, the show we were supposed to go to was his second time here. Mm. And man, I fucked up not going to the first one. Okay. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe when we get to finally see it, they'll do a completely different set list. Or maybe they'll do half and a half new. That was actually something we can uh, we can finish this out on. Because I think we both agree that Live at the Roundhouse is just a great record. I mean, love this album. I, I love their versions, except for Bike, because that's... Bike is sacrosanct. They fumbled. They fumbled it. They fumbled it. But you know what? They they did it new. It's fine. Whatever. They did everything new. Nothing sounds exactly the same as it was on the albums. It's it's got a different life, a different energy. It's different people. But what would you 
What would you if you had to take away three songs and add three? What would they be? Wow. Embryo. Well, I'm gonna do add-ins first because they're easier. Add in embryo. Okay. Maybe add in echoes, but that's gonna take away like a chunk of songs. Nick doesn't want echoes. Are you high? Um, I would love something like Mud Men. Uh, any of those, any of those soundtrack album deep cuts that are decent with a Roger. Well, you want one of those thirty second nut bar things? No, I want like Mud Men, which has the or Free Four because I want that. I, I would want, want Free Four. Okay, I'll Free give Four. You that. I want like the ambiguous Floyd era, the ambiguously gay Floyd era. That's what I want. The ambiguously happy Floyd. Yeah, I want that. I was doing a riff on the cartoon from Saturday Night Live. Um, take away, uh, featuring Stephen Colbert. Yes, taken away. If because it's a nothing burger. Yeah, that's fair. If and it's reprised. That's three minutes I'd like to have back, but we'll just count Why that as one. Why was there a reprise? Because it's, it's in the album that way. Because it's in the album song. that way. It's in the Is album. It? Okay. That's a that's an album. That's a reference. If you're a Floyd fan, that's an album reference. You listen to the album and smoke weed and drift out. Um, I, I can live without Let There Be More Light, even though it's a very good song. And I probably would take out, if you're going to do Bike Dirty, did take it out. Don't do it. Don't do it right. Don't do it at all. Um, so, yeah, that's that'd be my three out. And uh, the three in I said already. But yeah, at least Embryo, if not Embryo and Echoes. But then I recognize that you probably have to excise a few more things to fit Echoes. Because I want the 18-minute Echoes with Embryo in it. I would want the full Adam Hart Mother. Okay. I would want San Trapez. Mm. I don't know why, but that song makes me happy. Uh, I'm trying to think what else from, you know... Definitely Jug Band Blues. Uh, what's the song? You Can't See Me, But I See You. I don't know the name of it. It's escaping me now. I just thought of one more I would like to put in. Again, I don't know the names of songs. I will say that they really don't have a vocalist as fine as David here. But of course, David no, is no. one of the greatest singers ever. But if they had, I don't like, I didn't really get a sense of isolating Rick's voice by itself just from listening to YouTube music, unfortunately, sorry. But um, I love Stay. You know that as my jam. And I love that song. And I think it would have been a beautiful tribute to Rick to maybe even go out of the show. Wouldn't be very triumphant or climactic, but like it would be anticlimactic. But I would almost like that to be like a somber farewell to Rick to do Stay as the final song, however cheesy. I'm trying to let me take a look here. Incredible guitar, incredible piano, great vocals, questionable lyrics. I'm looking at the track list for Git for uh, Amagama. Mm. No, and I mean, there's not much out there I want. I like Grandchester Meadows. That is a good song. That's you know that you know the story behind you know the story behind Grandchester Meadows. We want to talk about that now or save it for another time. When are we going to talk about Grandchester Meadows again? I don't know. I can't think of the time. Hit it. Um, you know, Grand Chester Meadows is the estate where Pig Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Deep Purple made a lot of records. It's actually a place. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's one of these estates that they used that's to rent out. That's not a story. That's a statement. That's a well. It's amusing. Okay. Uh, they were fond of it. They were fond of it. 
when you hear Zeppelin three, which was, I think made it Headley Grange, but when you hear whatever that song is, Brawny R, and you hear the plane go overhead, that's recorded outdoors in Grantchester Meadows. Um, so I don't know, you know, brilliant job all around. Here's a question for you. Let's, have, let's go out on this question. Or at least I'm going to go out on, I'm going to end up myself on this question for you. And you, if you have anything else, you're welcome to. I know your proclivity for the Roger songbook and all the Roger albums and the We're Not Worthy shit. Where's this record? Where's this record in the whole pantheon of Floyd Live releases historically? The whole thing. Is this a top five? Is this a top There's only like five. Well, I mean, if you're counting every time Roger has done a live album for The Wall. I'm... Okay, I'm only counting one of those. I'm not counting the first one. Live at Pompeii uh, is mostly live. Pompeii, Good Dance. The Wall Live. Wall Live. 1980. No, I, I'm, I I'm talking. About- oh, I, let's. Oh, 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 sorry. All the Pink Floyd Live records that include Pink Floyd, like Live at Good Dance. Are we Roger okay, at Berlin? Okay. Are we talking about Pink Floyd and Family or Pink Floyd? Pink Floyd and Family. Sorry. Okay. So, so now we're talking about 15, 20 records, right? Let's, let's Where's think about this? this. Let's think, okay, there's, uh, is anybody out there? Mm. Uh, I'm not going to count. I'm going to rank them. I just want to know. I got to get my mind around it. Before All I right. There. I'm not counting Amagama and I'm not counting uh, Live at Pompeii with Pink Floyd. Because that was a video, not an album, different deal. So uh, is there anybody, anybody out there? Delicate Sound of Thunder. Pulse. Those are the three official Pink Floyd live records. Uh, then you've got Rogers in the flesh. I'm not counting Wall 90. We're going to skip that one. That's a different deal. Uh, wall 2015. Uh, Us and Them. That's six. So you've got Gdansk, Pompeii. That's eight. Sauce Full of Secrets. That's nine. Am I missing anything? There are Saucer Live album I'm not aware of. No. I would I would argue that Let's All Make Love in London is a live album that needs to be that counted. That's the Sid era space rock band. The one that's like the what the two the two track one? It, well, it's two tracks that are like an hour. So like well, it's yeah, an album. but still two tracks. It's an album. Um, that I'm not gonna count that one because that's a bootleg. If I'm gonna count that, I gotta put in I mean they put it out. It's more than a bootleg. They put it, it out. They did? Yeah, it's an official release now. Oh shit! Now I gotta. It's buy canonized, it. my friend. I mean, it's not like I don't know if they have it on vinyl. It was a CD. No, I found it on vinyl. Oh, then well, um, I have, I not, would I have say, not heard that one, so I cannot. To me, uh, I would say that this top one 10? is def- I'm sorry. Would this be a top ten of all of Floyd and Family? I, I only have nine total. Um, I would say it is better than. Is there anybody out there? Uh, I prefer Roger Waters 2015 over that one just because the recording is better. Mm. It's it's not a performance issue. It's it's a production issue. Uh, this is definitely better than Delicate Sound of Thunder. This is definitely better than Us and Them. Oh, fuck me. Did I say that? I don't. I'm surprised you said that. <laughs> like, I'm surprised what? I said that. That's, That's usually your number one. Uh, and I would probably argue that's Roger's number one. 
It is Rogers number one, definitely. It's better than Pulse. It's on par with Pulse. See, I think Pulse is fucking great. But I, I saw Pulse. I I, I, I love Pulse, but I only listen to it when I'm in the shitter. I would say Pulse, Rogers, us and them. This might be my third favorite live Pink Floyd anything. That's really crazy. Good. It's really good. It's so good. Because they took the songs. The songs were written well, but as Nick would put it, they couldn't play. And Roger said the same thing. So they took these well-written songs written by geniuses that couldn't execute it. It's like, it, basically, they, they, they took the playbook from the coach and did it. And that's, and there's so much, this is the most fun Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd live album. I mean, yeah. can, you, can you imagine that they did this the first time ever live in front of 500 people in a tiny club in the UK? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? I saw Metallica with like 500 people, basically. Could you imagine seeing any kind of Pink Floyd concert in a tiny club? I played a lot of bars with my Pink Floyd band. It was not that great. Well, you're pretty good, but it wasn't that good. You can still hear people talking. We're trying to do like, hey, you, and somebody's telling a joke and we're cackling. Not fun. But this is, imagine the like epic magnitude of like a bunch of Floyd diehards watching Nick Mason and a band of geniuses, like SEAL Team 6 assassin genius level musicians go through this set list or something like it. Holy hell. This is probably pretty close to 1969. I mean, which would be no Sid, <laughs> not not including Sid in the band, because well, he. Mo- I mean, uh, most of it he he wasn't there. So, but I mean, that's it's it's crazy to think about. And reading the book, which this is the the first time on this podcast where I'm the one that read the book and you didn't. So I mean, I've read some of the book. I just haven't read all of it. I haven't read I'm, I'm reading read Laura Jane Grace's Tranny right now. And I'm trying, like, I am, like, keeping a box of tissues close by. It's making me want to cry every 10 pages. But getting back on topic of not crying. Um, no, it, it's an absolutely, as you would say, it is an absolute banger of a record. They went in and they breathed. They, they didn't really rearrange them. They didn't rearrange any of the songs but they're not the same as they are on the albums or as they are as Pink Floyd played them at the time. Except maybe if. Because I don't know what you would do with that besides that exact same thing. It's, it's a simple tune. It's a, dude with a, it's a dude with an acoustic guitar playing an arpeggio. I mean, there's not much you can yeah. do. Nobody can go with that. Um, but, who's, who's, the, who's the MVP of this live band not named for, Nick Mason? For me, Guy Pratt. I mean, it's always Guy Pratt, but I do want to shout out Gary Kemp. Is a guy I never thought much of. You might know Spandau Ballet, which he was the principal songwriter of and wrote the song True. Um, he's not the lead singer. He's sort of the harmonizer and the lead guitarist and the main songwriter. So he is really like the David of this project. And I, I think he's mostly the lead vocalist, even though his voice is not a one-for-one match for Dave. I really thought it was Guy doing the whole thing. I really don't think so. I think I'm Guy is... Die. I'm going to die on that hill because I tweeted at him. I, will, well, I would love to get a breakdown of saying, like, there's got to be a breakdown somewhere. Maybe it's in your liner notes. You don't have to do it now. But, like, 
I well, would I love to know. Where it is. I can grab it if you want to talk a minute. I mean, you know, I could always talk a minute. It's me. Talk about it. Uh, hey, talk a minute. I, I'd like to know the breakdown. I think it's useful to know. I, 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 you know, this is a really terrific album as we, we've spent two hours talking about it now as Nick has pulled it out. It's also got a very, it's a very lovely album cover. It's very uh, subdued and restrained compared to most other Pink Floyd album covers. But um, I think it's a little subdued, the front cover. Hard disagree. Is it a hypnosis? No, it's not hypnosis. Q oh. Syme, maybe? Oh, hang on. I'm trying to dig out. <clears throat> I've never actually looked for the liner notes. It doesn't have a booklet. It's a gatefold, no booklet. Ha ha. Mm. Maybe I will. They're very attractive fellows. Maybe not Guy Pratt. I Guy is Guy is brilliant. And uh, when I used to do probably my favorite Pink Floyd song to play live personally as a musician is Run Like Hell on bass and lead vocals or Hey You because it's just such a huge song for me personally in my life and the bass solo. And Guy does a marvelous Roger on a, on a Run Like Hell and Hey You. No, just, it's not there. Huh? They don't have a breakdown. That's got to be somewhere. Someone's got it. Gary Kemp, guitar and lead vocals. So, yeah, he probably did Dave. But he's not a one for, you know, like he just doesn't have that same... David's voice is like a flute. It's unbroken. It's beautiful. It's not fragile. That is the best description of David Gilmore's voice I've ever heard. It's like a flugelhorn. It's, it's when he needs the punch, he has punch, but he doesn't really use it. It's a French horn. A French. It is a French horn, and it's probably on purpose that it's a French horn. Um, Frank Sinatra famously used to try to emulate Louis Armstrong on the trumpet oh. with his voice which is how he developed actual jazz lead vocal technique that is now copied by everyone from, you know, Sean uh, also, Mendes to Metallica. Uh, moving towards the wrap up here, because we've been going a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let me say, as a vinyl guy, the pressing on this record, perfection. Perfection. They definitely did a vinyl mastering process saw something today on the internet about new vinyl records and they don't always master them correctly for vinyl this one is done perfectly mine came completely flat no warps good weight to it sounds amazing fits perfect you know great pressing because not everything is which is unfortunate mm. um i don't know what else more what else, more, what else more I have to say about this album? It's a great record. It's a great live concert. And if anything today made me more and more disappointed that we're not seeing this in a couple of days. Well, the challenge for us will be when we eventually get to see this together. I'm suspecting later this year. Um, and Roger is still coming to St. Louis around my birthday, right? Labor Day weekend. Uh it is Kansas City. I have not bought tickets yet. Uh, we'll discuss it. 
Um, the challenge will be for us to not duplicate this exact episode when we live review something in a podcast in person. I feel like we could get at least two glacially musicals together if we're together in the same city for a few days. I would agree with you. It'd be a shame if we didn't do at least two. Well, and, and... But I need like a steak dinner and the record store and okay, barbecue. Okay, okay. And I, the, I got the things arch. to say, but I want to say them off air, not on right. air. So is there anything else to talk about? No, man. This has been a fun chaser. And next week, Robert Plant. Uh, oh, shit, I got to come up with a plan on that. Fuck! <laughs> uh, anyway, this is... We're doing, we're doing a debut solo through... Manic Nirvana. I think that's what we correct. Agreed. Correct. I, I just it's not quite a decade. It's probably eleven years. No, it's a decade okay. uh, ish. We're not doing Honey Drippers then. Okay. This I is to supplementally talk 